Uh, my name is Bill Garvlink. I'm a senior advisor here with, <coughs> whoops, with the program uh, U.S. Leadership and Development at CSIS, and uh, I'd like to welcome you all here today. There's a, a, apparently there's great interest in the topic, and uh, looking at the lists of of people who are attending here today, I think we're quite an informed group. So this ought to uh, lead to a very interesting uh, discussion during the course of the next of the next hour. So again, on behalf of CSIS, uh, welcome. Our focus today is, is on a project in Ethiopia. <coughs> and before continuing, um, today, uh, as many of you know, the government of Ethiopia issued the sad news that Mellis, President Mellis has died. And so, on behalf of, of CSIS, I would like to offer our condolences to the family of Melis and Awe, to Ethiopia, and to all Ethiopians. But we are here this morning to talk about one of the riskiest enterprises in all of Africa, and that's being a smallholder farmer. Most smallholders in Africa are engaged in rain-fed agriculture, and their livelihoods are dependent on the weather. And when it rains, uh, they have money for inputs for the next planting season. They can send their kids to school, uh, pay their school fees, handle medical expenses that come up. And when the rains are inadequate or when it doesn't rain, they can't. And smallholder agriculture is a very unforgiving enterprise. And there is no country uh, in sub-Saharan Africa where this is more true uh, than Ethiopia. Ethiopia is very dependent on agriculture. 90% of the arable land is farmed by smallholders. Uh, the land is poor. The country is drought prone. Uh, fertilizers and inputs are, un are underutilized. Uh, crop insurance, if it exists, is expensive. And credit to smallholders is, is virtually, virtually non-existent. So it is critical uh, for the success of smallholders in Ethiopia as well as in other countries um, to find some measures to mitigate the impacts of weather on farmers, which they feel so directly and so forcefully. So today it's really interesting that we're going to look at a very innovative project in Ethiopia that uh, melds uh, index crop insurance with credit and maybe one of the avenues to assist small farmers in increasing their productivity and smoothing out the shocks that, that weather causes. So it's with great pleasure that Dr. Shukri Ahmed is here with us from FAO. He joined FAO in 1998, I believe, and has experience in risk management and, and food security issues all over Asia uh, Africa and the Middle East. He is very experienced, of course, with, with small farmers and these kinds of programs in Ethiopia in particular. He's the team leader for the Early Warning and Vulnerability Assessments and Analysis Group in the Trade and Development Division of the FAO. And he holds a BA from the University of Addis Ababa and his advanced degrees from the University of Oxford. So without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Shukri. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I would like, uh, first of all, to thank um, the resources uh, that came from USAID's uh, the uh, Asset and Markets Access uh, CRSP, uh, CRISP. Uh, they made it um, actually possible for us uh, to try uh, this uh, pilot project. Um, as you can see uh, from the names, uh, there are a lot of institutions that are involved. Um, from the University of Athens, Professor Alexander Saris. We also have Professor Craig McIntosh from UC San Diego. Uh, we have Rene Gomez, uh, who actually was uh, the guru of agrometeorology in FAO, but uh, lately EU uh, JRC, uh, but just retired now, and myself uh, from FAO. These are, uh, we were just the principal investigators, but 
this is a very joint, uh, and there are a lot of institutions involved. At this juncture, I would like also to just shed some light about crop insurance. Uh, in the 70s and early 80s, there was um, a big interest uh, and also uh, research in crop insurance in general, uh, specifically in Asian countries, and India uh, was leading in that direction. But later, uh, interest waned because uh, of the problem of insurance itself, um, adverse selection, moral hazard, and all the issues involved with insurance became very big, especially when it comes to smallholder agriculture. It's a, a very difficult business. It takes a lot of cost to actually verify whether what was claimed is um, actually true. Now, there is an interest again, thanks to the pioneering work of some of our colleagues in World Food Program, together with USAID and others who have restarted the issue of crop insurance, but not necessarily crop in the classical economic sense, but from the point of view of emergency. Uh, and at a macro national level, there was a tendency to say if certain countries like Ethiopia, who actually faced huge shocks from drought, that is covariate, that affects almost nationally or big chunk uh, of the country, what could be done? And the cost-benefit analysis of uh, responding after the problem uh, arises uh, is much higher than if we at least intervene earlier, especially before the farmers started selling their assets or precious assets like um, cattle or oxen um, once they lose uh, their harvest. So it is an intervention mechanism at least some months ahead of time uh, to avoid catastrophe. That work um, started with what we call the index insurance. And why this now new, um, actually, or renewed interest in, in insurance in general and the index part of it is because it became at least an objective way of measuring whether it rained somewhere. Other indices are now being developed, whether it is frost, whether it is other indices are being actually asked and people are putting uh, their knowledge. It brought together also a lot of disciplines, agrometeorology, climatology, uh, economists, um, other people in, in the crop uh, development, agronomists who know about the crops, and then the renewed interest is, uh, is there. So we took this uh, opportunity that had arisen uh, in the development of indices, trying to test whether this is possible um, in Ethiopia, which needs it uh, very badly. Just one distinction, the way World Food Program and others started the whole work is actually to target the most vulnerable groups, and if some kind of drought happens and they fall, so that we can intervene early on through the government or through big institutions like WFP to uh, put in place uh, the responses much earlier uh, and before the problem attracts. What makes this a little bit different is we're targeting the relatively better off. That is, farmers who are actually engaged already in markets, they are there, but they are in a risky situation, so they may not be investing uh, in the new technologies that are available because the risk is so high, and if rains don't come, they don't want to lose much more than what they have already planned or, or programmed, or they are used to culturally. Uh, and this is one of the factors that are inhibiting the adoption of uh, new technologies, whether it's fertilizer, whether it is, and in most developing countries, as you see, it is government programs that are actually pushing it through. When you ask farmers, they know about it. They know about the, um, the advantages that they would find from improved seeds, from fertilizers, from others. But that extra cost would mean a lot in terms of the overall portfolio that they have. So this inhibits 
uh, development, this inhibits investment. So it is a way of saying those farmers who are already doing some kind of um, engagement with the market, how can we help them actually to invest in agriculture by giving them some kind of support? It's uh, a new market. The market has to be developed. There has to be investments in that kind of market. And I'm just, we'll go through how we planned uh, to, do, uh, to do that. What is the interlocking puzzle of input use in agriculture? And this is our main uh, issue is productivity, to increase productivity. Uh, and that we, we think input use uh, is one uh, of the factors that, that we would need. Rain-fed agriculture generally exposes farmers to huge risks uh, in the purchase of inputs. Uh, this is a simple question for the farmer is, I pay for fertilizer today, will it rain tomorrow? So this, this always is one of the issues. That is the extra cost that he would want to, to pay out. Would he do it? It, it is a dilemma. Uh, simply doing what he was doing and then having his, his assets on the side for, for the bad days uh, is his norm. Would he get out of uh, that norm? Risks are commonly given uh, a reason for low input use in Ethiopia. There are a lot of studies, including Dirkon and Christensen, but there are a lot of other studies that have shown that farmers mention, I don't want to use it because I don't want to risk it tomorrow. If I lose, I don't want to sell my assets. Uh, sometimes even when the government credit is available, they wouldn't want to use it because they would have to sell some assets to pay uh, for that um, seasonal credit that they get. Uh, most farmers need credit in order to be able to make the purchase of fertilizer, seeds, extra, in the leaner season. This is what we call the hunger season. After harvest, if you ask them, every farmer says, yes, I would want to use fertilizer the next cropping season. But when it actually comes, they don't use it because at the time of the planting is the most difficult part of the farmer's um, situation. It is when they have exhausted whatever they have um, planted, it is when they are, their expenditure is at the highest level because they have to hire labor, they have to hire uh, oxen, they have to use all that, and that creates a situation where it becomes very difficult for them to use, so they will forego the purchase, uh, the purchase of. So a lot of research has shown that if you ask them immediately, they would say yes, but then they do not. The large correlated risk, on the other hand, from weather make agricultural lending extremely difficult um, uh, and risky. And these are some of the uh, problems that face banks, especially private banks, it is a risky business, uh, and when problems happen, they happen across the village or across a, a, a big area. So the portfolio of the risk is so high that banks wouldn't want actually to lend uh, to smallholder to smallholder agriculture. What are the implications then of this uh, scenario? This correlated risk then creates a situation where banks uh, pre it prevents banks from lending. Uh, to agriculture, and farmers from using inputs to the extreme. These are the things that, are, uh, that would happen. Since the core source of the correlated risk then is weather, in these, especially in the tropical areas in sub-Saharan Africa, in certain countries in Asia, um, where uh, the use of irrigation is almost non-existent, weather becomes one of the main source of the correlated risk. So index insurance, naturally, it seems to provide a natural way to resolve uh, this problem. So the provision of insurance to lenders means that they can take on the risk of lending to agriculture. Uh, and the provision of insurance then to farmers means that they can afford to take on the risk uh, of using and borrowing uh, for inputs. The simultaneous provision of credit and then insurance allows us to create what we call a state contingent loans. Uh, this would mean I receive the inputs on credit today. If the weather is bad, the farmer would pay nothing. If the weather is good, you pay a loan plus the premium plus the interest on both. So it kind of is a situation where you would say, 
yes, if the situation is bad, we can help you go ahead and use the inputs that, that you have to use. But if the situation is good, you will pay. And the obstacles to credit provision on the supply side is that banks in most developing countries are very reluctant to lend to agriculture. Of course, it's not simply reluctance on the side of the banks, but it's also the infrastructure. Uh, the banks are limited to towns and small city, uh, cities and towns. They don't really uh, go to the extent of the farmers. The infrastructure is not there. In, in some countries now, that is being surmounted. There are a lot of banks that are opening now uh, in different parts of the countries, but still, uh, the volume uh, and the supply of it is, is low. Uh, correlated shocks means that even if average default probability is low, uh, the overall portfolio of the risk uh, in agriculture to lenders is very large because it hits a whole area, so they may lose uh, quite, quite a lot when it does. The predominant source of correlated risk is weather, so rainfall. So pressure to forgive loans to farmers when default is caused by weather may be irresistible. And this happens a lot in developing countries. Whenever there is a drought and farmers have taken out credit, the government would just say, okay, you don't pay. And this tendency then creates a situation where farmers would be reluctant actually to, uh, to go or, or the banks also to lend. Consequence, this is private capital to agriculture is very scarce. Even in countries where agriculture provides the best avenue, for growth, including uh, export-driven growth, which most countries like Ethiopia would like to do, and most of their actually foreign currency comes from agriculture. What did recent research tell us? Uh, demand for index insurance products is typically quite low, even though they seem to solve a problem in a very natural way. I mean, we said it, it, it seems natural that they would, but still, the demand is very low. Why? There is the issue of trust. Uh, it's, these are new institutions that are coming from different parts of, uh, of, the, of the country. And uh, there is uh, the credibility issue when asking for money now in return for future promises. Uh, farmers which are meager resources using it now pay the insurance now it may happen or may not happen. Would the insurance pay me? He doesn't know. So for a farmer who is really dealing with a difficult life already, giving that up and giving and paying an institution that is new and coming is very difficult. And in many instances, farmers actually uh, have um, a reason to, be, uh, to do that. There is timing consistency, which means uh, uh, there is uh, difficult to ask poor people to pay upfront for a service whose benefits will not, may not be realized immediately or will not be realized immediately. There is the credit constraints. The poor simply can't afford the premium payments that, uh, that are there. In addition, uh, other uh, researchers have shown that timing consistency is a major problem in the demand for fertilizer. Farmers understand that yields are higher with fertilizer, but the time gap between cost and benefits makes the purchase uh, very hard. So on the demand side as well, linking credit and insurance may overcome the behavioral problem that are barriers to take the index insurance product. So both on the demand and supply side, there is uh, this uh, theoretically at least plausible situation that we can create a situation where farmers uh, would take uh, on uh, this uh, risky business. Now, just to give you on Ethiopia, uh, what is the, why is fertilizer use uh, very low in Ethiopia? There are a host of demand and supply factors uh, that have been invoked to, to explain the limited adoption. A lot of people have written about it. There are a lot of literature why it is low. There is limited knowledge and education, risk preferences uh, of the farmers. Uh, there are credit constraints that are not available, irregular rainfall. Uh, limited profitability of fertilizer use, uh, also coming from uh, other factors that uh, actually determine uh, the productivity of fertilizer itself, like soil and others, or even the mix that you must have use for fertilizer itself, the soil type and all, is limited. So the, for farmers, if they don't see an immediate return, that, that also uh, limits. Lack of market access, of course, 
There is incomplete markets, uh, uh, others have shown, inefficiency of input use, limited or untimely availability of the inputs uh, themselves. So the interlinking solution now, from theoretical point of view, uh, provide loans to farmers that are explicitly weather contingent. So farmers take loans to purchase inputs, uh, insurance premiums, uh, premium is added on, onto the loan and paid immediately to the insurer. So this is uh, the sequence of events. The beneficiary of the insurance policy is the bank itself. So if weather index triggers, the bank uh, is paid with certainty. No intermediaries between bank and insurer. Uh, this is how we framed it at this point in time. There are cooperative unions who are sitting between the financial institutions and the borrowers and serve critical roles. First, they aggregate transactions and decrease the fixed cost of making loans. Then second, they are entities with the legal authority uh, to contract with banks, uh, much, much easier for formal financial units to deal with them than uh, smallholder farmers. They also have a legal entity on behalf of the farmer they can actually sign. And also, because they belong to the farmers, they, they are also the output market. So they have a leverage over the farmer, uh, farmers, but farmers also depend for other uh, businesses like um, other services that they get from, from the credit. So there is uh, that advantage between the farmer and the cooperative. Third, they can use their extensive relationship with primary cooperatives and farmers to use as enforcers of the loan contracts minimizing default risks. Uh, we have done um, quite a tour of the um, unions that are involved in different parts of, uh, of the country when we were dealing uh, with the areas that were selected. Uh, and uh, I, will, I will talk about it later. Of course, in action, uh, we found other challenges came. But at the beginning, the idea was very much um, supported by the unions themselves, saying that this would actually give us also um, more leverage on the farmers because we are bringing credit from the private sector as well for them to use uh, for the inputs uh, for the inputs that there are. Credit contracts are written with the unions, of course. Our research design. The research design is randomized control trial to provide simple and statistically robust measures of impact. Uh, we have two arms of trial. We have a control group which receive no insurance and no credit. And then another group, a standalone uh, arm, which receives only the index insurance uh, product, no pr uh, you know, prevention of the use of credit, but also no provision of any explicit. They may get credit from different sources, as they do, whether it's from neighbors or from uh, others. That is uh, their choice. But explicitly within, within the um, experiment, we will not uh, provided. And then there is the other arm, which is the interlinked arm, which receives state contingent loans. So both are provided uh, to them. The study will then be uh, you know, conducted by comparing each of the two treatment arms to the control and to each other. Uh, this is hoped to provide um, a simple, transparent measure of the impact of insurance, the impact of the interlinked insurance, and the impact of the interlinking itself. Three years of household surveys to track farmer behavior. Uh, first round was done already. Um, that is to have the baseline before anything was done. Uh, we have started the first actually cell. We'll, I'll come to that this year. This is the main cropping season now in Ethiopia, uh, July, June, July, August. So the, the thing started. We were a bit late in, in getting, but there were already some demands that are coming. So we'll be following those households uh, from the baseline actually determining how they see insurance, how they see credit, what the sources are, trying to see all, if all these things are available first, and now we will see uh, through the years. Then we'll, uh, we'll track, hopefully, the farmers uh, through, these, through these years. Then, of course, the longer-term question on the supply side will be, can the provision of index insurance crowd in private sector credit to agricultural markets? The first instance has, is actually encouraging because for the first time in Ethiopia, we got a private bank, which was very reluctant at the beginning. But when we talked to them about 
the insurance, another insurance company called Niale Insurance and the bank called Dashen Bank, when we went to them, first they were reluctant. They have what the allocation of some money for credit to the agricultural sector, but it is mainly to commercial farms and to the big farms. They were not even contemplating to give it to the smallholder farmer. And when we actually engaged them in this discussion of saying, if they take uh, you know, insurance, uh, would you? And they started to actually come up with their own questions. Whether is now one of the risks, they even say, they say let's, let it be half of the risk or 60% of the risk of the farmer could be weather. What about the basis risk? What about the 40% or the 30% that remains? If, if the guy dies or there is illness in the house or there is theft in the house, who would pay me back? Because then there is no trigger where the bank is paying. So the approach there was that they have to take also some, and actually we, we read their constitution also, partly it says there has to be some development engagement with the farmers of the country and in agriculture. So we invoked their own constitution of saying, you know, partly yes, it is profit, but partly they would want also to develop the market for themselves. And in Ethiopia, it is natural, 80% of the population is in the rural area. It's a huge market if it is de developed. Of course, taking the risk first would also can, can burn your, your fingers. So they have to be uh, careful with that. So we managed for them to say, okay, we will try it, good, but other development uh, institutions like USAID and the um, AFD, the French Development Agency, came forward actually when we brought the idea to them and they said, we will come in if something else happens. For the basis risk, we can actually assist. So it became kind of a partnership in different ones saying, we want to try out uh, this, uh, this engagement. Uh, historically, credit to agriculture, especially to smallholder farmers, has been provided or backed by the government. This is especially for input credit. There is every year the government imports um, fertilizer and it gives it through the system and it was on credit. But always it is ambiguous. Certain times it is credit, certain times they have to pay upfront uh, full amount, then through the season it is 50%. So, the policy environment also, we'll discuss it a bit later, is yet to come uh, into, uh, into um, a clearer, actually, uh, play. Uh, there is a history of government amnesties on agricultural loans when drought occurs. The government has now shown an interest in trying to have the private sector take over more of this role, but a viable commercial model has, to, has yet to emerge. So we're actually now brought this engagement with the government also, with the Ministry of Agriculture, with the Agriculture Transformation Agency, actually to come up with a clearer direction or a strategy for input provision, for credit provision, for the involvement of the private sector uh, in, in the provision of, um, of inputs. And our empirical strategy is track over the course of time as index insurance is switched on in new parts of the country. So we can use the institutional, of course, data from the banks to track the spatial cover coverage of agricultural lending to see the extent to which they expand credit in places where insurance uh, will cover them. So would it, would it increase, would it attract uh, is, uh, the areas that we have selected are uh, four areas, um, especially two of them known uh, for their relatively surplus producing areas in the country. Uh, I say relatively because in Ethiopia there are only very few areas that are really uh, uh, producing for the market of more than 60%. Most of them hover around 20 to 30% uh, marketable surplus. Uh, West Gojam is one of them, which is, uh, I'll show you on the map, South Wollo, North Wollo, North Shoa, for those of you who know, who know Ethiopia. This is the areas, uh, and the dots that you see, actually we have tried in our first year, before, before we even have done the uh, baseline survey, we got data from the Central Statistics Agency that do, every year they do agricultural sample surveys, and they have what they call 
uh, enumeration areas from the sampling frame. And these dots that you see around the country are the, di the different enumeration areas, more than 3,000 of them. And we tried to get actually data and try to see, and they do crop cutting experiments and they do also the, the yield forecast. So we tried to do some kind of econometric work of the relationship between rainfall and other weather factors and the yield that has been reported. So that at least what the index that we do later would also have some kind of uh, uh, a comparable um, uh, uh, work that um, to ascertain the work. Uh, here are uh, the Waredas, meaning districts in the area, and the Kabales are, are, are the villages. The red dots that are selected are the ones which we have selected. The pink circles around it is the 20 kilometer radius around the station. So I will give you also an idea of what was the criteria of selecting these, why did you go to these specific areas? Um, the first, of course, is the insurance company. That was our first entry point. Niala Insurance was working in this together with WFP and others in the provision of index insurance. They have developed a unit for specifically for uh, microcredit uh, and specifically for index insurance. We were helping them also uh, in that development. So they have done several work in different parts of the country, but they wanted also to move into this. And the interest for us was also a relatively better off area, which are on the roads, which are nearer to the markets, people who are already engaged in the market so that the marketing becomes easier, not, not to go to the remoter parts, at least uh, for the pilot. So one of the criteria was that it is the naturally um, ha, um, Niala's uh, natural way of development. They wanted to go to these areas, this is one, and they had their uh, branch offices in these areas. The other one was, is there a weather station in the area? Uh, this is one of the biggest problems also in Ethiopia, and we will, I will discuss the challenges that we faced. There are problems with weather stations. And I think technology has given us now a big opportunity to invest in that. And we are helping now with the Metrology Agency, we're trying to put together um, a plan to actually have the uh, automatic stations, which are making it much easier to have in different parts of the country um, uh, weather stations. So one of the other criteria is, are there weather stations nearer to the farm areas that we would like or Niala would like to move. And for now, because of the difficulties, it is the 20 kilometer radius came from that. And it is a relatively arbitrary number. Uh, and it is by discussion with agrometrology that it couldn't be beyond that. It also is one of the arbitrary numbers used by reinsurance, the reinsurance company, which is a Swiss re in this case, that they use. They cannot take anything beyond 20 kilometers to actually check the farm and the weather station. Uh, and this is uh, one of the other challenges when we went into it that we have found. It seems very simple, but it is really um, a very difficult, uh, a very difficult thing to find the data and, and the stations themselves. Who are our partner entities? Uh, as I told you, Niala Insurance Company is a private company. It provides rainfall index insurance to farmers. It, the insurance is intended to cover the inputs to production, not the output of the farm. Um, we, we kind of DAPO, when we were developing the index in our agrometeorologists, have developed different types of yields. There is simple uh, rainfall index, there is also a crop index uh, yield, crop yield index, which takes a model based, which actually was much more to our liking, because at least you can use other data also to check it out, but it wasn't clear for the farmer. So the farmer, actually, it is much easier for him to, to just say, this was the rainfall this day, this is the other day, and just he can follow the rainfall. So for now, that is why we chose the simple rainfall uh, model with all its difficulties, because 20 kilometers later, we have found out that it may not be as easy, and 20 kilometers, you may find still villages that some of them have uh, rainfall, some of them don't, uh, and the wind direction and all. We tried to take the elevation, wind direction and all, 
but data was a, a big problem. The other is Dash and Bank. It will provide credit to farmers that will be backed up by the Niala product. Uh, it serves as a form of collateral substitute in agricultural lending, uh, at least for that part that we have said uh, is the risk uh, from uh, rainfall. Uh, the contracting is done through cooperative unions who screen farmers through Cavalli Levico, as discussed, no direct loan contracts with farmers. This means that Dashen can contract with only a few financially sound and legally well-founded intermediaries who in turn use their relationship with, uh, legally, uh, with farmers to enforce contracts. Actually, before... Once Dash and Bank, as I told you, when we engaged them and they, they kind of agreed to the idea, the first thing they did is they sent a team from the bank to actually go to these cooperative unions to check their uh, legal status, but also to check their books. Do they have the capital? Do they have the necessary minimum of bookkeeping of their businesses? It is only when they agreed. and. We have given them about seven uh, unions, and they only selected five that they said the two don't actually meet the criteria that we need. With these five, provided that they uh, are, are ready, we can work with them. So they selected those five based on their own vetting uh, of these uh, cooperatives. The other partner entity is Ethiopian Economic Association. Uh, they do the surveys for us. They do the analysis together with us. They do the studies. So we have involved. This is uh, an entity. Most of them are uh, related to the university. So the economics department and others are involved in this work. So it is, it is uh, also, they are also part of this. Uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and the bureaus of agriculture, because the extension workers are our main, they, we go with them actually. It is part of this innovative. They are the ones who bring the uh, fertilizers. They are the ones who are advising the farmer of how to use fertilizer and others. So they, will, they are the best vehicle for us. And they know the area very well through the Ministry of Agriculture. And those are also our, our partners. Of course, the Swiss Re, as I said, this is the reinsurance company who sets for us the premium uh, and what uh, need to be paid. Uh, and uh, you will see that it, it was very high, actually, because they didn't, they kind of gave us a very, quoted for us a very high number, uh, and we're still negotiating with them, uh, and we're involving them in the, um, in the discussions. Uh, the, of course, the Index Insurance Innovation Initiative, uh, this is the initiative that is funded by the uh, CRSP. Uh, this is only one aspect of the I-4. There are other also uh, index insurance uh, pilots going on uh, in different parts of Africa uh, and partly also in Asia like Bangladesh and others. So it's different approaches that we did, partly for livestock, partly for crops that, and credit that we did for cash crops like cotton. So you can go into the I-4 actually um, um, website uh, and see the uh, pilot projects that are done in different parts of the world. It will give you uh, a good idea of what we are trying to do. Uh, then, of course, um, above, then, of course, the principal investigator, the institutions themselves, and, of course, the farmers, the primary cooperatives, which we are going with them, discussing with them, and they are giving, the, giving us. In, in one area, actually, we had to even take out the weather insurance. That's the first time we said we need also to develop a frost index. We went to the farmers, and when we talked about drought, they said, what are you talking about? We don't have a drought here. The problem is frost. Do you have frost index? So now we are trying to see, uh, to develop also a frost index. So those kinds of engagements before we started anything with the farmers also gave us where and where one type of index will work and where the other wouldn't, wouldn't work. The challenges, as I told you, weather stations is uh, for a country like Ethiopia, which is so mountainous and weather can change in a, in, a, in a small you know, distance, um, we don't have enough weather stations. Uh, what are we doing about it? We have tried now to actually develop a kind of uh, um, a letter of agreement with uh, the uh, 
NMA, uh, the Metrology Agency. It has now a new management which came in, which actually showed a, a very uh, active engagement with us. We're trying to bring in the World Metrological Organization and others who have their strategy also to actually um, engage with National Metrology Agency. So through this, we're trying to accelerate at least to have some strategic way of approaching it, to have better weather stations, bringing in the new technology uh, like um, um, the new weather station. The data itself, weather data, because to, to build the indices, you need several years of data uh, to actually be, uh, be sure. Most of them don't have, there are um, some, uh, some of the stations have uh, longer term uh, data. We use them also uh, to interpolate and to use them as a basis for the other stations that have uh, a smaller number of uh, points um, to use the, uh, the distribution in one uh, and if there are relationships uh, with the other. And uh, the, our agrometers are trying different ways but data is a problem. We also found that most of the data is not even digitized. So we are helping the metrology agency to digitize the data, and we are engaging this pilot project in a project that I am involved in in another, which is uh, strengthening the overall food security information system of the countries. And FAO is engaged in a big way um, now targeting 90 countries in the world, all of sub-Saharan Africa, most countries in Asia and Latin America are now, uh, we're having an overall agricultural statistics overhaul because there was a big disinvestment in agricultural statistics and information that we kind of lost momentum and we, would, we are now trying to re-engage. So we're trying to put all these things in kind of a situation where we can have uh, uh, the synergies uh, between, between these. Of course, on the other hand, we have the cooperative union's capacity. This is the point. When cooperative unions, when we discussed the idea with them, they liked it. It is a beautiful idea. They can take the loan with the farmer. They, they can get leverage over the farmer. And because they already have some other lending for kind of consumer goods and others, they said they have a mechanism of getting back their money. So that wasn't a problem as such. But now, when the actual work came and they were supposed to give, they kind of started to hesitate, saying that, you know, well, you know, this is a new thing. And so we're helping them in different ways, one of them being the bank agreeing to help them with their bookkeeping, with training of some, uh, you know, individuals in there for the bookkeeping and others. So when they started to get some advantages, their start, but still we're having a problem there also. So it's one of the challenges the cooperative unions really taking on on behalf of the farmer. They are, uh, you know, uh, ready but reluctant uh, at the moment because the idea also is, is new. The reinsurance, this is another area, Swiss Re, uh, it is putting up a huge pressure on us, especially in terms of assigning the premium that the, the farmers need to pay. It is very high, up to 20%, which is much, much higher than than we anticipated. We're trying to find other partners to actually subsidize at least until the, the market develops. But the Swiss Re have also shown interest to engage with us to actually increase the data points in which we are also bringing models that have been developed by the AgroMet that were, they, they were adamant in not using them but now they are changing their mind in using not only the data points, but also the models that need to be developed so that a combination of the two could also be used. So that we are trying to find different ways for the reinsurance company to, to engage uh, with us also. Of course, the other is the basis risk. This is not known. We are always giving you, well, uh, rainfall is 50%, 60% of the risk. The rest of the risk is what? Um, that also needs some studies to actually ascertain uh, the, 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 uh, the problem itself. Uh, of course, the fertilizer supplier, supply and provision modalities, as I said to you, there is no uh, clear policy by the government of what governs, how is it given, when it arrives. All these things still are in a flux and they are being developed 
but our engagement actually is also pushing to set up a system, a strategy of how to engage, and we are accelerating that uh, together with uh, the Ministry of Agriculture, who were very w welcoming, saying that you know this would would support us, the Agricultural Transformation uh, Agency as well. So to conclude, uh, just to sum up, the assumptions are there is a considerable unrealized production potential that can be realized with larger and better use of intermediate inputs, and especially inorganic fertilizer. Absence of smallholder credit and significant credit constraints that make input use suboptimal. This is another uh, assumption that we have. Whether risk is a major constraint uh, on the demand side for fertilizer and other input use. And then there is now a surge of interest in the provision of index insurance, but the modalities are still unclear. Even the um, uh, one other issue is actually the index itself, building of the index. We are now trying to get uh, NOAA and uh, JRC and even Universities of Maryland and others who are in climate and agrometeorology to actually come up with better indices uh, in terms of even the, the, the models themselves are yet to develop. And we're trying different models uh, to, to come up with that. Uh, interlinking on the demand side, uh, what are the determinants of uptake? And this is what we would like. And how do they differ between the standalone and the interlinkment arms? Experimental estimation of demand curves for insurance with and without interlinking. Uh, and what is the impact of the product on farmer behavior? One of the questions that we would like. Does insurance provision increase the use of inputs by farmers? Do we see an increase in yields as a result? Uh, can the provision of intelligent financial services be a part of triggering a green revolution in Ethiopia? Ultimately, can cooperation between index insurers and banks be the vehicle to expand private sector credit to farmers? So it is to unlock that potential that has not been used yet, and whether we would be able to at least even think, uh, think of that. Thank you. This is, uh, yeah, this is uh, the end. Thank you very much. Thank you. I would like to ask one question first, and then we're going to open it up to the audience. So please uh, state who you are, and uh, for the sake of brevity, be very precise about your question uh, when you ask it. First, one, one issue that, has, as you were talking, I've, I was sort of pondering is in Ethiopia, there is no private ownership of land. Um, now, I, I know there are some activities by USAID and, and some other activities to grant to, to put together some kind of recognition of land tenure for different periods of time, but there is no private ownership of land. How has that affected uh, your, your program and your planning? Good. Uh, okay, maybe I'll answer this and then uh, we'll go. This is actually a very um, pertinent and, and important issue. However, uh, the way we are approaching actually um, the input and credit may give us, uh, because if land was private, the farmers could have used it as collateral. Now they cannot use the land as collateral. So this is one constraint that they have. So by giving insurance in an indirect way, if they have the insurance, the insurance they can use that, the insurance contract, as a collateral to get credit, at least for the input. So that is a, still an issue, um, and there is the certification now that that is going on. At least the farmers have usufructory right. They can use the land, they can inherit it, they, can, they cannot sell it, and they cannot use it as collateral. So at least by giving uh, this option uh, to the farmers of using the uh, insurance contract as collateral, actually we are at least surmounting partly the problem of collateral which land could have could have actually played. Yeah. Okay, we'll open it for questions. We'll take two or three questions and then, uh, yes, first one. On the bottom. On the bottom. Oh, there it is, okay. Um, Adam Reinhardt from the Office of Food for Peace at USAID, Hi. and we have a very large presence in Ethiopia, and I was, had the pleasure to be there just two months ago doing a field visit um, to areas not too far from here. I have many questions for you, but I will limit it um, to just a few. First, 
Um, if there is an event that causes the insurance to kick in, i.e. the drought happens, um, people also need food, and your insurance only covers inputs for next year. I'm wondering why you chose not to do an output also, maybe separately maybe, or tied into it, output one. And second, is it only focused on fertilizer or is it also seeds? One of our senior analysts at the, at the USAID mission, I have no data to back this up, said that fertilizer use was about 40% or so of Ethiopian farmers, but improved seeds were only 3%. And from what I saw, the varieties they were using were not particularly productive and they were very long season and very subject to drought. You know, um, yeah, so I'll stop there. Uh, yes, uh, my name is uh, Nicholas Smith. I'm a doctoral student at AU, but um, I'm also a microcredit practitioner in uh, DRC in Uganda. Um, my question was uh, just actually this, the, the feasibility of scaling up in the widespread adoption of such practices, considering it's already it's the, the, the difficulty in getting banks to engage agricultural um, activities and rural farmers, and then trying to make that financial instrument even more complex and the, the, their willingness to then engage with a more complex instrument. I'm Stanley King with the Cooperative League of the United States of America International. And I've just recently moved back from Ethiopia working with credit unions and small farmers to provide ag credits. Uh, the areas that, you, that were selected, I do understand why they were selected because of the bank's presence and the branches being in those areas. I worked in the Tigray, state of Tigray, where in the past that's where the drought and most of the problems have occurred in, uh, uh, with the small farmers. The fertilizers that you've mentioned, the farmers are not too fond of them because they mainly do not deliver the results that we expect for them to deliver. And the only two fertilizers are controlled by the government, and it's urea and DAP, which I agree that the seeds make a big difference to have improved seeds, and they can't actually get access to those seeds because there are also very few seeds that they can get um, access to. So my question besides the problem with the fertilizers to improve production is how is this going to be costed out? What's a cost to provide this insurance to the farmers? Uh, we know what the fertilizer costs, we know what the seeds cost, but what is that cost of that uh, insurance going to be? Thank you. Yes. Well, if drought happens, yes, of course. Um, and as we all know, um, it affects, of course, the whole village and, and the whole area. And it doesn't actually, this pilot project um, doesn't preclude the work of other institutions that are already there and working uh, in such circumstances. Uh, the food aid uh, is already the, the, the kind of the institutional work is, is already there and the disaster risk management group does the periodic assessment of vulnerable people around the country uh, in the seasons. Whether there is a specific drought or not, they do and assess who needs what. So that's already in place and I think that mechanism would continue uh, in the foreseeable future. In our case, as I said earlier, we tried as much as possible to choose areas that are relatively better off. Yes, uh, in Ethiopia you may argue that uh, that could be you know, a very thin uh, line, especially when it comes to smallholder farmers. But still, it is those who are already exposed to using, and exactly as you rightly pointed out, is 40% use, uh, and that shows you to the extent of is somebody who simply used, not by the rate that is required. And that is actually the other point relates to the 40% and the point of fertilizer. Um, DAP and urea are the only ones that are used. 
uh, and the people that use them don't use with the recommended rate. For every area, there is a recommended rate uh, and on average uh, in an area. And that's actually one work that is being done also is the soil type, as I said earlier. And the others is being done now to tailor the need of different types of fertilizer, not simply DAP and urea, but others are also required. And some farmers simply reject the DAP and urea because it's not adapted even to their area. But when they use it, instead of, for example, using per acre or per, per hectare so much, they use half of it and simply disperse it for, for this. And it doesn't give the optimal uh, productivity response. So some of the uh, answers to that is yes, drought can happen. And when it happens in these areas for the people that have used the insurance to get uh, the input and they are insured, of course, that will be paid. And the idea is exactly that extra cost that comes with the inputs need to be paid, uh, need to be paid uh, for them to encourage them at least to say, you know, if it doesn't rain, I will, I will have to pay, uh, I will have to pay. Seed, very good point. We actually didn't simply cut it and say it's only fertilizer. We just generally are saying input, but we are emphasizing um, fertilizer because that is now the big, you know, uh, imports that are coming and the, the government also is pushing it, but it is to find a kind of a niche in the provision of fertilizer. But seed also, when farmers request, it is part, if they ask for fertilizer and seed, the insurance would cover them. And also they can get credit for it as well. So, and the idea, the discussion with the banks is generally inputs. Although the emphasis always comes fertilizer because the farmers also, when they talk, they talk about uh, fertilizer. <coughs> the other is the supply of seeds, improved seeds is also, well, it is increasing now, but it's in its own right, it has its own bottlenecks and difficulties and they're not imported as such. They are developed uh, within the country, but yes, uh, that is also included. Um, yes, the other issue is, and that's our question also, the feasibility of scaling up. This is only one response and one instrument. Uh, and it, it has to be, you know, put in context. There are a lot of other instruments and tools that we're using to encourage the use of inputs, they, to encourage uh, raising productivity. So yes, in, the, in, the, in that sense, and if you put it in context, it has to grow with overall, you know, the, the policies and the instruments that are, we are putting in place, index insurance should only be uh, one of them. But I said the challenges are still there and to really make it also scalable, uh, you need, and our pilot has already immediately given us the challenges. Even identifying the challenges themselves for us is a big thing because now we can enumerate. If you want to use index insurance, you have to do these things in place. And the fact that it brings different institutions of the government actually is, is a big asset uh, uh, for us. <coughs> Uh, yes, uh, the, the selected areas, yes, the criteria, of course, is the banks and who has, but in Tigray, there is another project uh, from our colleagues in uh, WFP, Oxfam, uh, and others are actually doing, it's called the Harita project. It kind of targets, uh, it's a halfway, it is a vulnerable area that usually depends on food aid and whatever, but it's trying to come out of it, and it's under the Productive Safety Net Program that the government has put in place. Uh, and there is, Niala Insurance is also involved in Tigray in that part of the project, trying to not only use rainfall um, indices, but also trying satellite-based weather, like uh, you know NDVIs and others, whether they can give us also extra uh, instruments in that. So Tigray is, is, is part of that. But these areas that are selected are also, for us, particularly from FAO, was to push not only the very vulnerable who are on the edge, but those which are, even if there is one or two drought, they can resist somehow, and they have the assets and they have certain you know, surplus to do. So it's to also see if we can target those to actually create uh, a momentum uh, to increase productivity. I think that's... One or two more questions, yes. Um, very interesting discussion. Uh, 
Dr. Ahmed. Um, Bob Robatsky with FinTrack, and I'm curious, who is the, who's going to be the ultimate um, provider of this insurance? In other words, if this, this whole thing works out, will it be um, the seed companies, the commercial banks, uh, Nyala Insurance Company? Um, uh, well, there aren't any fertilizer companies in Ethiopia, so it wouldn't be them. So who ultimately may take up that, that product and offer it? Uh, an example in, in Kenya is Syngenta, which is actually offering a similar type product uh, in relation to selling their hybrid seeds um, at a very reasonable cost. Um, and second, when, when will your study conclude? about the um, what percentage of the of the risk is transferred out of the country um, ultimately it's the idea is for all the partner companies to is first to create the market for insurance to create the market for private credit to smallholder farmers, which are almost non-existent in the country. So the involvement now of the banks uh, and the insurance company in actually the, pr the provision uh, of insurance and credit together is already creating um, a situation whereby even the small um, credit provision entities within rural areas who were never given giving credit to inputs are now kind of thinking of uh, kind of combining the credit that they give for, for example, for small livestock, chicken, or, or other assets, uh, and not for the agricultural input. So it, it is to create first and foremost the awareness that there is an alternative to the provision of inputs by the government. Uh, and to encourage the private sector to think about and also to give the policymakers that there is a chance for them. Because now the government is in a situation where it really hit a wall uh, because it is too costly. Uh, importing it, providing it, and then policing it to get back the payment became a huge drain on especially the regional governments. And when you go to the regional governments and talk with them, they say, this is God's hand. If you guys can do such a thing, it, it will be uh, you know, a, um, a big um, assistance of the burden that, that we're facing. So the government is ready now to assist in developing this market for the private sector as well. But in the end, the insurance, of course, will be taken by the insurance companies. It has been started by Niala Insurance Company, but now other insurance companies are coming into play. Um, they are um, like the Oromia Insurance Company, the Africa Insurance Company. Other insurance companies are now actually taking lead in providing different types of index insurance, whether to smallholder farmers or uh, to pastoralists. Syngenta, yes, there is the, the, we don't have, I don't think we have in Ethiopia yet an entity like Syngenta, which takes on the work, but hopefully by this provision, there would be some private entity which then combines the banks and the insurance to, to go into that. But now it's the banks and, and the insurance that, that are providing. Um, the conclusion of the study, we are hoping, we were a bit, we're a bit late now, we were supposed to at least start this year to be the first full year, and we're finding it uh, difficult, but we, we, we were given three years uh, with a possibility of two more years. So within that period of time, we hope, we are already actually presenting, and hopefully we'll present soon from the baseline survey that we did, we are already getting a good deal of information of what the credit situation, what the input use situation, all these questions are already there. So hopefully within the next year and two, we start to bring in um, the, uh, the, some of the studies. 
Um, the transfer to the outside, yes. The Swiss Re uh, actually reinsures Niala insurance. So Niala insurance now, one of the things was we have selected 120 villages in the first uh, take. But now we are, we shrank to 60 only because Swiss Re said they cannot reinsure the rest. So they can only take these 60 because of the uh, data availability, um, proximity of the uh, weather stations and all. So they have already given us only 60 villages and we, uh, we, we had to um, decrease the sample, the sample size uh, and redo the randomization that, uh, that we have done. Uh, on the other hand, they have given us uh, the 20% I told you is the premium request that they, that they have done. And the Niala insurance simply takes that and imposes it uh, on, on the farmer. Uh, and this is where now we are trying to find uh, partners also to kind of shoulder uh, some of that. Uh, and some partner agencies are actually happy to do that at least until the market becomes uh, known to the farmers. Great, thank you very much. Please join me in thanking Dr. Ahmed.